If you got your Bibles, a couple of people think they got a good thing. Let's try that. If you got your Bibles, you got a good thing. You got the thing. You have the Word of God. Uh, and man, I don't know uh, if there's anything. Uh, I, there is nothing more important than that to the point that even God says that he raises it above his very name. Amen? All right, so uh, if we're going to listen to me, guys, okay, and gals. Gals, I want you to listen, too. If this book is the word of God, then it must be our authority. Not in just some things, in all things. Only Chris believes that. Good. All right. I hope the rest of y'all do too. It has to be, or else what is the point? Why do we even read it? Why do we even get into it? Either this is going to matter to us or it is not. Amen? And so uh, it needs to matter to us. What I want you to do, if you will, is I want you to open up 2 Timothy. And uh, so... We're in Ephesians, obviously. Uh, we're going through that systematically. Uh, we have been on this now for almost six months, and we've gotten through verse 11. So we're, we're pumping along, man. We're moving pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, again, as I've told you, listen, Ephesians is the book, man. If you want to understand what this church is supposed to look like, this is where you go to find out because that is the purpose of the book of Ephesians. Okay? It is to reveal the mystery. Uh, and that mystery, of course, is the dispensation of grace, as Paul uh, calls it in chapter 3 of Ephesians. If you want to understand, listen, we don't go to Acts chapter 2 to find out what the church looks like. We don't go to Acts chapter 2 to, 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 to figure out how we are. That's not where we go. We go to Ephesians. That is the church epistle that we go to to learn what this church is supposed to look like. In the first three chapters, Paul is going to unload some serious doctrine on us. And we've been looking at that. Uh, and we're going to continue to look at that, obviously. And then in the last three chapters of Ephesians, Paul turns it to the practical, how that doctrine that we learned now turns into how we are to live as a church body. Does that make sense? Okay. With that being said, when you get to chapter 4, Lord willing, one day we'll get there, okay? One thing I want you to notice is that Paul starts to say, okay, you know, it's, okay, therefore, <laughs> because of everything I just told you in those first three chapters, let me now explain to you how this all lives out practically. I'm sorry, I got a cough drop in my, uh, I'm not, I, it's not that I'm sick, my throat's just a little dry, so I thought I'd throw a cough drop in my so forgive me for a second until I get rid of this thing. Uh, you know me because I like to talk fast and quickly, and most people can't ever keep up with me. I can't even keep up with me. I'm always thinking 10 steps ahead, and I don't even know what I just said two seconds ago. Uh, but listen, this is actually annoying. I, I really... Okay. Bad timing. I should have put it in while we were still playing. That would have been a better time to do that. Uh, okay. If we're going to understand... Okay, what 
uh, we're supposed to be as a church, how this thing is supposed to practically live out, Ephesians is the book to go to. I've made that point very clear to you. When you get to chapter 4, he starts to go into the practical lessons of all of this. And the first thing he starts talking about is how God gave us gifts unto men. Amen? Everybody okay with that? Okay. And so certainly there is a lot of reference back to those nine blessings that we've been talking about in Ephesians chapter 1. The three blessings of the Father, the three blessings of the Son, the three blessings of the Holy Ghost. We're talking about one of those blessings right now, which is kind of where we're, we're, we're riding into this thing. Listen, the day you become born again, the day you become saved by the truth of the Scriptures, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's the day that the, the who moves inside of you. The Holy Ghost moves inside of you. So you see, here's the blessing of the, the Holy Ghost. The day we become saved, uh, the day is the day that the Spirit moves inside of you. You go from, and, and, and we're, if you were here earlier, you know what I'm about to say now, right? You go from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. The light bulb turns on now, and now you can get into God's Word, and you can understand it. You can start to, to put the pieces of the puzzle together properly. You can start to uh, 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 grow as you should. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 would be a good place to go right now, okay? All right. With all that being said, Paul then starts talking about these gifts. One of the gifts that he, he, he throws in there is how he gave us, he gave some apostles, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers, Okay? Okay, hopefully, I do pray that this church body believes that me and Robert are a gift to you. I hope that you do. Uh, and, and, and I mean that in a, in, a, in a very real way. Because I can promise you, you're all a gift to us. Okay? And we, this doesn't happen without all of us. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't know what's going on out there, but I'm telling you, that's the way it's supposed to be. We are to be a family, and family works together, okay? And, and so Paul is, is really honing in on this point, and he's bringing to light that, listen, your pastors, if they... Please hear me on this. Just because someone calls themselves a pastor does not mean they're a pastor. And I mean that. There are a lot of pastors and a lot of churches this morning that they were, they'd have no business at that pulpit. Okay? And maybe I have no business at this pulpit. I'll let you all decide that. But, but what I'm telling you is, unless it's this book being propagated, they have no business at the pulpit. Okay? Now, if it is this book being propagated, then the only thing that should be coming out of their mouths is God's word and not their opinions. Because their opinions don't matter. My opinion don't matter. It don't matter what I think about stuff. Who cares what I think? I know what I think, and I know what my thinks are and thoughts are. My, in my flesh dwells no good thing, and if you leave it up to me, I am going to fail, I'm going to fall, and I'm going to lead you down the wrong path. However, if what I'm telling you comes from this book, that's a different, different ballgame now. Do you understand? 
Because now it's not my what I think. It's what God thinks. And that whole baloney of, well, that's just your interpretation. It's not my interpretation if that's what it, that's not my interpretation. It only becomes my interpretation if I start twisting what it, to fit with what I want it to say. But if it flat out says it, right, not my interpretation. This stupid cough drop is killing me right now. Oh, my gosh. All right. So he gives us pastors and teachers. And he lays out what the responsibility of a pastor is. Uh, in, 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 in the following verses of 13 and 14 and 15 and, and how, uh, you know, uh, something for the work of the ministry and, 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 and those three things. And, and, and then he talks about uh, uh, how, uh, you know, so that we are, are, are not children being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and slate of men. And if a pastor is worth their weight at all, they're giving you the one thing that can protect you. The Word of God. By the way, he makes that very clear in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Which, by the way, each one of those seven things has to do with the Word of God. <laughs> okay? Uh, so so y'all got me. All right. So what happens now is, and that why I'm bringing you to 2 Timothy is because 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, we've talked about this, uh, it, it is a, uh, 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 these are what they would refer to as uh, the pastoral epistles, okay? Uh, and, and I want to talk about Titus right now. Uh, that's a separate, separate subject, kind of. But, but I'll, we're talking about Timothy. Okay, why Timothy? Why are we paying attention to Timothy? Well, because we're talking about what book right now? The book of Ephesians. Thank you, Jim. Jim, Jim knew where we were. The rest of you guys catch up. Okay, we're talking about the book of Ephesians, okay? And, and listen, who was the pastor at Ephesus? All right, some people knew that. Good. Timothy. Okay. So he, he obviously, there's a connection here. Okay. And we can see that connection. Listen, if you want to know what the role of a pastor is, can I just humbly tell you, don't worry about what some church website says. Don't worry about what their qualifications of their pastor is uh, when they're looking for a pastor. None of that matters. If you want to know the qualifications of a pastor, I would just humbly tell you, let's go to the Word of God and find out. The Word of God tells you what the qualifications are. I mean, it would be God's pastor, right? I mean, Jeremiah 3.15 is still in the book, right? I give you pastors according to my heart. Who, who's the one that gives pastors? And, and, and do note, there are pastors that eat up his field that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and God calls them out on that, okay? So, so there is a fine line here. I say all that to say, Paul writes 2 Timothy. It's the last book he writes before he dies. He, he's in a Roman prison. It's somewhere around 67 AD, okay? He knows his time short. He makes reference to it quite a few times in the, in the 2 Timothy, Okay, and he knows that Nero is getting ready to execute him. Okay, and, and, and remember I told you last week, if you knew your time was short, if you were on your deathbed and you knew and you had that opportunity and you knew, the doctor said, man, you've got hours. Okay, and, and, and your family was standing all around you. 
What is it you, Christian, would be saying? Would you be talking, hey, make sure you take care of my boat, okay? Make sure you wax my car, it needs good waxing, okay? Make sure you take care of the stuff. You, is that what you're talking to your family about? No, no, especially if you know there's some family in that room that don't know the Lord. I guarantee you, your mind's going to go on spiritual things. And so I say all that to say, this is what Paul is writing to Timothy. He's letting him know, hey man, this is what you need to do. Now go do it. Okay? Is everybody with me now? Now you say, well, what does this got to do with Ephesians? It has everything to do with Ephesians. Because in Ephesians chapter number 1, you don't need to turn there, but in the verses that we're talking about right now, verse 11 and 12, it says, Whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Listen, we were predestined according to a purpose. Don't let the Calvinists mess you up on that. Okay? I'm just telling you, don't let them. That's not what he's talking about. Okay, he says we were predestined according to a purpose. What was that purpose? Okay, and that purpose is found in Ephesians 3.21, to bring God his glory. Who was predestined? Jesus was predestined. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about picking and choosing individuals. That's not what he's laying down here. Uh, and I, we walked through that, and I showed you how it went from the us and the we and turned it into the you. How do you get into the us and the we, which is the church? Well, how we do that starts in verse 13. In whom ye. Now he, now he turns it to you individually, in whom you, ye, also trusted. When? After ye heard, y'all see that? Yeah. The word of truth, which, by the way, is the gospel of your salvation. Well, you know, I think people can just get saved by bowing their head and say a prayer. Really, find that in the Bible for me. I would just love to see that verse, because I don't see it. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be the, the jerk. I'm just, saying, I'm just asking a question. Where does it say that, man? I, I asked the question, is this book our authority or not? If it is, then do you, where does Paul say that? He doesn't say that. What he does consistently make sure we understand that the word of God is our salvation. Romans 1.16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Peter says, being born again, not by corruptible things, but by the incorruptible word of God. James says it's the engrafted word that saves your soul. Where did it say, bow your head and say a prayer? I'm not saying you can't get saved that way. Do not hear what I'm saying wrong. Although I will say, I think there are a lot of false conversions and people thinking that they're, they're just because they bowed their head and they repeated after what the pastor said. No change ever happened. They had, never, had not, no, no interest in transformation. They were just, in that moment, they got caught up. The pastor was like, you know, giving them some stuff, man. They got caught up in the moment. Okay, let's try on this God thing. And then three weeks later, you never see them again. But now they think they're saved because the pastor told them they were. Which, by the way, I can never tell you you're saved. I can watch and see and see if there's fruit coming out of you. That's how I'll know. 
Does that make sense? That's biblical. You say, well, are you sure? Well, yeah, because Paul wrote what the gospel actually is in 1 Corinthians 15. And do note, he says, according to Scripture. It's according to Scripture. That's why Paul warns, if any, come preaching another gospel, let them be, which must mean there must be fake gospels out there. He wouldn't say that if there weren't. Right? In 2 Corinthians, he talks about there are some that you, 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 if you receive another Jesus, another spirit, or, or, or another gospel, that must mean there must be other Jesuses being preached. There must be other spirits being, he, you can't say that if that is not happening. And I would say if it was happening then. Huh, you don't think it's happening today? Come on now. So with all that being said, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's giving this, this, this uh, uh, very important last message to him. What's the very important last message? Well, we're talking about how a person gets into this church. We're talking about salvation, and so uh, we're going to continue to talk about that next week. Last week and the week before that, we talked about what does it mean when you're not saved? What does that actually look like? What does a person who not saved, what does the Bible say about that person? Children of disobedience. Uh, they're, they're, they're lost fellow, they're, in, they're not in fellowship with God. Uh, they're not in the image of God. They're not, all those things that we, we walked through and we showed how, how Paul very systematically throws that on the table. We're not children of God in our lost position. I'm sorry what, what others are saying, but it's, it's incorrect. Why would, why would it be God's uh, 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 reasoning in Romans 8 to transfer, transform us into the image of Christ if we're already in his image? Because he is the express image of God. It's because we're not in it. We're in the image of Adam, Genesis 5.3. Okay? We don't, do we have those characteristics and qualifications? Yes. That's how God originally created us. But somewhere along the line, Adam and Eve sinned, it died and is dead. Those are dead characteristics right now. We have to be born again to revive them. Quicken those things. I'm sorry, but that's not being taught in most churches today. But I'm telling you that's truth. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? And so listen, why are we talking about this? Uh, again, Paul is talking to Timothy. And I want you to understand something, man. Get this in your, in, 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 in your uh, uh, spirits today, if you would, okay? Whatever it is you think about me or whatever, just, man, put it on the shelf for right now. Let's let the Word of God just talk to us today. And let's see what it says, okay? And then maybe you'll understand why I am, Robert is, the way we are. Maybe you'll understand if you just let God's word show you, okay? Just let it show you. Mark 5.19 says this, and I think I got it on the screen for you here. It says, uh, how be it, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Go tell what the Lord did for you. How many times have I said it around here? The most selfish thing we can do as Christians is learn about the saving grace that brought us from the, from, from, from the, the, the depths of hell into the grace of the Lord and not go tell somebody else about it. How, 
I, I don't know that there's anything more selfish than that. That is the epitome of selfishness. We're too busy to tell other people about the very thing that kept us from hell. Wow. Okay. But I want to make sure you understand, and we're going to learn this today if we didn't already know it. Uh, Paul, in his last letter, look where he puts the emphasis. Anything he could have told Timothy, eh, look what he tells Timothy to go do. And that's what we're talking about. Listen, seven times in the book of Acts, Jesus says, or, or, or uh, the word is used, witness, right? Jesus says in Acts 1.8, he says, uh, but ye shall receive power after that Holy Ghost is... What's the power of God unto salvation? Oh, okay. Start connecting the dots now. He says, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come unto you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Okay, are we going to be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem? No, obviously not. I'm not in Jerusalem. Okay, that was the disciples and the apostles' job. Okay, uh, in Judea and Samaria. Well, that's what happened if you follow the book of Acts as it started to fan out, especially starting in Acts chapter 8. Uh, they started to fan out. They went to uh, 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 Judea, they went into Samaria. Uh, now, here's where it is does apply to us and unto the uttermost part of the world, earth. Is that us? Are we in the uttermost part of the earth? Amen. Okay, we're in our Jerusalem right now, if you will. Okay? And we don't stop here. We go out into the world, too. By the way, we're at 3,500 for the Malawi. Yep, 3,500. Amen. We're, we're, we're more than halfway there. Keep giving. Love you. I posted in our uh, One Touch page some videos. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to look at them, please do, because that's what he's we're the ones, praise the Lord, we've been given the privilege, we're the ones that are putting that building up. <laughs> Amen. Okay? And it's going to be used from some really uh, great things. Uh, listen, it's, an important, it's important to note that if any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says, if uh, any man be in Christ, he is a what? He's a new creature. I had that white. Why is that gray? Did you all change that? That's really hard to see. I'm having a hard time seeing it. Is everybody else okay with it? There we go. Okay. Uh, I'm getting older, guys, so you got, you, y'all got to watch out for me, man. Uh, okay, uh, uh, unless I had glasses on, then I'd be all right. Listen, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new, right? Now watch. And all things, how many things? All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus. Christ has given to the pastor. Is that what that says? What does that say right there? I, I put it in big purple so y'all can see it. What does that say? Us. Who's the us? Us. <laughs> right? What? The ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have com- read that, committed unto who? The word of reconciliation. We have been given a commission. He committed it to us. It's not the pastor's job. Is it part of the pastor's job? Yes. But it's every single one of you's job too. Do y'all understand that? We all have the ministry of reconciliation. Can I say it like this? It's our privilege. It's our honor to take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and to go tell others. Sadly, however, if we do not see it that way, and what I mean by that, if we don't see it as a privilege and an honor, then we probably won't be very effective in what we're doing. If we just see it as something, eh, if I get around to it, we aren't going to, however, I, I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. And I promise you, I can back this up with scripture all day long. It's the only reason why he left you here. There is no other reason. You're here to be his witness. You are now in his body. Would his body not go tell? Help me. Somebody. Anybody besides Jim? Anybody else? Would his, if, Jesus was, if Jesus was right here, do you, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being honest. If Jesus was right here right now, and we were all gathered around him, and he said, all right, guys, we're done with church now. Let's go eat. Is that what he'd do? And even if he did, I promise you, while he was there, he'd be telling That's why we're here. There's no other reason. Because you want to know what sons of God do? They bring glory to God. And you know how you bring glory to God? By creating sons of God. There's no other way. That's how he gets his glory. That's why Ephesians is so important to understand. Because if you don't understand that, if you don't recognize your purpose, if you don't understand what this whole thing is all about from our perspective, you won't do what you've been called to do. And that's why we are living in perilous times. Because we have made everything about ourselves. And God is just sitting there going, don't you know none of this is about you? None of this is about you. Stop making it about you because it's not. You only get anything you get because of me. We are all deserving and destined to a devil's hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve, well, I deserve it. No, you don't. You deserve hell. That's what you deserve. You don't deserve anything else that comes with God. You only, and by the way, you only get what comes with God because of Jesus. That's it. That's the only reason why we get any of it. And Paul's reminding Timothy of this very fact. You go, is he though? Yes, he is. Look, check it out. Okay? Uh, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, I got you there. Look at verse number 7. For God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. What's the power? Y'all with me on this now? Okay. And of, of sound mind. Uh, but pastor, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I just wasn't, I'm not made like that. That's not my gifts. It's not my gifts to be an evangelist. Really? It isn't? Well, when I just read Corinthians there, it said us had the ministry of reconciliation. Didn't it? Can I, can I help you with something? Paul didn't have the gift of evangelism. How about that? Did Paul not tell anybody about Christ? What do y'all think? Huh? And, and, go ahead, check me. Paul was not given the gift of evangelism. When he lists his gifts, evangelist was not one of them. However, I have a feeling he did some evangelism. Okay? Just because it ain't your spiritual gift don't mean you ain't supposed to do it. It absolutely is. And we are to uh, not fear. There's nothing to fear. Because all they can do to you is kill you. Well, dude, that's pretty bad. I fear that. Do you? Why? 
Think of all those people for 2,000 years that have been put to death for the cause of Christ. What, what? See, they were more interested in the weight of eternal glory than the treasures of this earth. They were interested in the treasures in heaven than the treasures of this earth. And Paul is reminding Timothy of this. He says, listen, don't have the, the spirit of fear. Look what he says here in, in verse number 8. He says, be not, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, because he's in prison in a Roman cell, right? But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Listen, again, Romans 1, 16 and 17. I got it up there for you on the board. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Listen, for therein, what? The gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed. The gospel is it, folks. That is salvation right there. Don't be ashamed of it. And do note that if the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, according to Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, was he ashamed of you when he went on that cross? If anybody had the right to be ashamed, it was him of you and me. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He wasn't ashamed of us. Why are you ashamed of him? So, well, you know, I, I, I just, I'm busy. Was, was, was Christ busy on that day? I mean, do you think that the Roman uh, Empire had the authority to put him on that cross? Really? Really, do you think they had that authority? I mean, they did, but did they? I think God had that authority. No man, Jesus says, takes my life. I lay it down. I, did you ever notice that it doesn't say in Scripture that he hung his head and died? That's why you got to love your Bible, man. No, he hung his head and he gave up the ghost. No man could take his life from him. Nobody, the Roman Empire wasn't in control. They just thought they were in control. The Jews weren't in control. They just thought they were in control. God was in control of the whole thing because it was predestined before the foundation of the world that the lamb was going to be slain. Nothing was going to stop it. It was going down. He was not ashamed of you. He died on that cross for you. How? Timothy, how then could you be ashamed of him? Look, he had saved us, verse 9, and, see that? Called us with a holy calling. Uh, I'm pretty sure in in, 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 uh, Ephesians it talks about that holy calling. Amen? And not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and grace. Which, by the way, was given to Christ before the world began. Y'all see that? I'm telling you, man, I'm not trying to be funny, but how does a Calvinist reconcile something like that? How can you reconcile that? It was Christ. That's the one that was predestined. He says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Guess what he did? He abolished death. And guess what else he did? He brought life, immortality to light by what? The gospel. Wherein I am a, what? what? 
appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Listen, uh, in Philippians, he tells those Philippians in, in, in chapter 1, verse 14, uh, 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 he tells them, And many of the brethren in the, in the Lord, waxing confident by my minds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You've got nothing to fear. The only thing you fear is yourself. Do you understand? I'm reminding you, these are the last things. Paul tells Timothy. He ain't talking about stuff. He ain't talking about things. He, he ain't talking. He's talking about the most important thing. The main thing. What's that? Go tell. Go tell others about the Lord. Go tell. Look, look, look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. The, 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 that uh, uh, that good thing which was committed unto thee. What was that good thing committed to thee? What? Come on now. We should know the answer to this question now. The gospel. That good thing that was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. You see how this all fits with Ephesians now? Okay, listen, God uh, uh, is laying this thing down through Paul to Timothy. Okay, so he, he lays this out, and he's throwing, he's throwing down the hammer, if you will. And, and listen, he then brings us into cha uh, chapter number two, where God's providing us very clear direction. Y'all hear me on that? There's very clear direction. He says, look, 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 look at chapter two. Thou, therefore... And whenever you see therefore, we have to ask, why is it therefore? Based on what I just told you, Timothy, and look at, he calls him my son. Was Timothy actually Paul's son? No, it was his son in the faith. Paul had won Timothy to Christ. And notice how he throws, he could have just said, thou therefore, be strong. No, he throws in that little, my son, I'm reminding you, the only reason why you're here is because of the gospel. You see what he's doing here? And he says, be strong in the grace. Well, I thought grace was just, you know, God loved us. No. God gave you the gift of grace for a very perfect re for, for, for a reason. Now, was it by his love? Absolutely. I ain't arguing that. What I'm saying, though, grace is just more than just God loves you. Grace is what God gave you to give you the ability to do what you've been called to do. That's why he's saying, be strong in it. Be strong. And look, the very next verse. Listen, you want to know why this church is all about discipleship? Why we are all up in discipleship? You want to know why I keep preaching it to you? Why I'll keep preaching it to you? Why I'll always keep preaching it to you? Because that is the job of a pastor. Look, Paul's telling Timothy, look. The things that you heard of me among many witnesses, the same, commit to what? You see, discipleship is about men who are faithful. And that's why many will never go through true biblical discipleship. They'll never make it. You want to know why? Because they ain't faithful to it. There's always something more important to them. No. God says, commit to faithful men. 
you, you remember over there back in the Old Testament when God says, and I looked for a man, but I found none. You want to know why? Because there's no faithful men anymore. And if there weren't any faithful men there, I guarantee you that, that, we, that it's even worse now. There aren't faithful men anymore, man. That's why women dominate churches. Men aren't faithful anymore. I thank God that's not true about this church. We got a lot of faithful men in this church. Okay? But we could do better, amen? What did I always tell you? We could be at the pinnacle of the best of the best, and I'm still going to push you to be better. We need to. You need a pastor like that. You need somebody who's going to keep pushing you to raise the bar. Raise the bar. You want to know why? Because he's the bar, and he's worthy of all of it. He's worthy to continue to raise the bar. It doesn't matter how good we get. Don't get complacent because as good as you get, pride comes before a... And it's going to happen if you get there. No. I don't care how good we are. I'm never going to tell you that good. I'm still going to tell you you're bad. Keep going. You understand what I'm saying, man. No, man. He is worthy of it all. Isn't he? I, I think he is. And I think most of you do too. Listen, commit... The, the faithful men who should be able to teach others also. Discipleship. That's what that is right there. That's biblical discipleship. Teach, teach others also what? Let me go find the famous Christian's book on the shelf. And let's go sit at Panera and we'll do discipleship. Well, okay, here's my only problem with that. We're now being discipled based on what that Christian author thinks. And what if that Christian author is wrong about some stuff? Which, by the way, more times than not, they are. No, no. That's not what Paul is talking about here. I mean, look, he, he flat out says it. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Yeah? Where did he write the things that he... The, the, where would those witnesses be able to see? What do you think Paul was saying? I'm going to guess it was coming from this. Okay? Uh, listen, that is what, that is how, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, what is it that we're supposed to be discipling people out of? The Bible, man, the Word of God, that is our discipleship material. There is nothing else, it's that. I don't care what some famous Christian author's got to say, I don't care what some famous Christian philosopher's got to think, I don't care about any of that, I just want to know what God said. What does God say about this? Because that's where transformation is going to come from. That's where true biblical transformation takes place. When we look at God's word and we see what God says. And if you don't believe me, just read First and Second Timothy. Because he's making it the point over and over. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Where do you get sound doctrine from? The Bible. That's it. That's it. And just hang with me and you'll see. Right, he says, therefore, endure hardness. Remember last week I talked about those three, God utilizes these three uh, 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 jobs, if you will, or, or however you want to say it. A, uh, one of a soldier, one of a, uh, uh, an athlete, and then one of a, a farmer. And, he, and each one of those uh, teaches us something, right? A good soldier. Listen, we're in a war. And that wars against spiritual darkness in high places, right? The lesson to be learned uh, with a good soldier is, and remember what I told you? Uh, what, does a soldier, what does a soldier have to be? He has to be obedient 
to the captain of their salvation. If a soldier's in a war and he's not obedient, well, I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, no, I'm going to do this. What's going to happen? You're going to have a lot of dead soldiers. <laughs> okay? So God uses that. He says, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier. He says, don't, don't war and entangle against yourselves with the affairs of this life. Right? Then he says, if any man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And in other places in the Bible, you can see the clear connection to running a race and earning crowns while you're running the race. That's what an athlete does. That's what he's talking about. And he says, listen, what are you going to do, man? If you, got, if you know you've got a, a 5K race next week, what are you going to do? Are you going to just show up and run it? No, you got to what? You got to train. And when you train... World-class athletes, which, by the way, we are called to be world-class Christians, just so you know, okay? World-class athletes, they got to give some things up. They've got to give up some of the flesh so that they can finely tune this vessel to be all it can be so that when I go run that race, right? Do you see why he's talking about now this athlete thing, right? And again, uh, what is the lesson we can learn there? Listen, as Christians, we are always going to be warring against what? The flesh. And so we need to have discipline. Do you, do you understand? It's almost, like, it's almost like God knows what he's talking about. Almost. You know. Listen, and the third thing he equates this to is a farmer, right? A, a tiller, a husbandman, a tiller of the ground. Right? And what, to, to do that, uh, Jesus talks about it over there in Matthew 13, right? He says, what? You need to take the seed, which is the what? The Word of God. You need to throw it on the ground. And what's the, what's, what's the field? The world, right? And he says, listen, this is how we need to do this. We need to grab the seed. And then, and then what? You just throw the seed on the ground and walk away? Well, if you want a good garden, that ain't going to work out very good. Because what's going to start growing up in that garden? Right? You see the picture Jesus is talking about here? No. You need the sun. No, so, everybody, my, my, my earlier people. You need the sun. Right? And you need to take some water, which is what? The word of God. And you need to pour it on that seed. And you need, to, you need to till the ground. You need to take care of that seed. You need to watch over that seed. This is what Adam was supposed to do in the garden, y'all. <laughs> y'all get this, man? Listen, he, this is what we are supposed to do. And again, what's that going to do? I'm just going to throw the seed on the ground. I'm going to walk away. Well, what's that going to do? What does that not require? That don't require no faith. You just threw some seed on the ground and walked away. If you want to grow that seed up right, is that going to require some faith? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the point that he's making. Listen, there's more to this than just casting seed. You need to pray for that seed. You need to watch over that seed. You need to protect that seed. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do, uh, it requires uh, an element of faith. Listen, so what are our three obstacles? What would be the obstacle against obedience? Well, that would be the devil. What would be the obstacle against striving for masteries, the athlete? Well, that would be the flesh. What would be the opposition to the farmer? Well, that would be the world. And what Paul's telling Timothy is, clear direction. Don't let these things get in your way. 
because they will if you let them. Look at verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of their hearers. Study. Now let's put this verse in context. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun vain and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. What he's telling them is, listen, Timothy, don't just preach stuff. Preach the word. And if you don't believe me, we haven't gotten to chapter 4 yet. Okay, listen, he's saying, I don't care. I don't care what the pastor's opinion is about stuff. I don't care what his political position is. I don't care what his thoughts are about the world. I don't care about any of that stuff. Preach the word, because that's what saves people. The word, that's what transforms people. The word, the word, Hello? the word. He consistently talks about, am I yelling? I don't mean to be. I'm not, I'm not trying to yell, man. My throat's starting to hurt a little bit, though, so I must be. I'm just excited about this, okay? Because this is it, man. This is what we're all about. Listen, can I just tell you, the gospel has been infiltrated. Do you understand that? I'm not sure many understand that. The message, the message of the gospel absolutely cannot be changed. It can't. And it's crazy to me what churches do today to try to attract people to church. That ain't the attraction. If this isn't the attraction, then there is no attraction. Let's just go home. That's, don't, don't. Well, you know, if we, if we put on a good show, we'll get people to really like coming to church. Yay. Oh, what is that going to do for anybody? Absolutely nothing. But they're going to come in and they're going to be like, oh, man, did you feel the spirit moving today? Man, that was awesome. What was awesome? The music was. What did that have to do with the gospel? Nothing. What, what did that have to do with the word of God? Because I'm going to tell you, most songs that we sing today don't even have biblical meaning behind them anyways. They're Christian songs. Listen, I'm not saying that some don't. I'm saying that some don't, though. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Just because we sing a song don't mean anything. It means nothing. If that song, you know, I love how uh, uh, Casting Crowds, if the song doesn't become your life song, then what is it? It's just a song that came out of your lips, Maybe. If you aren't living it, then what is it? Nothing. But I would go beyond that and not even worry about the song. If you aren't living it, then what's going on here, man? What's the purpose? What's the point? And if you think I'm preaching to you, I'm, this is what Paul's preaching to Timothy, and I'm just preaching it to you. This is what he's telling Timothy. You, you can't tangle yourself up in things that don't matter. You've got to keep the main thing the main thing. By the way, Jesus' first letter to Ephesus in, in, in Revelation 2, what was the problem with them? They left their first love. What was the first love? The Word of God. <laughs> Don't leave it. This is it. This, we can have all the great ministries that you want, man. We can do all these things that we think are great for the Lord, but if we are not preaching the word of God into the souls of men. We aren't doing anything worthwhile. You say, why are you saying that? Because that's what Timothy's being told by Paul. <laughs> that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> okay. Look, it's obvious that he is making this point. 
We need to be very careful. We need to be very careful that our preferences do not trump this book. If something is not defendable in Scripture, then can I just be very clear on it? Because Paul's very clear on it. It's not Scripture. Let me repeat that. If something is not defendable in Scripture, then it's not Scripture. Is that fair? Is that good? I think that's good preaching. Because it's right. The Spirit of God, can I say this, has been found guilty about a lot of things he never said. That's good preaching right there. I hope you all hear what I just said. Because it's true. Look what he says over here in Jeremiah. Look what he says here in Jeremiah 12, uh, 10. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Whoa. Oh, while we're on the woe. Woe be on the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Behold, the Lord says, I am against the prophet. And we know, what the, we know biblically what a prophet is, right? The proclaimer of God's word. That's what a biblical prophet is. Saith the Lord that use their tongues and say, he saith. You understand what the Lord is saying? So I'm against those that said that I said something that I never said. I wonder how many pastors are doing that this morning. Because I'm telling you right now, man, and I don't mean to be a jerk about it. I don't mean to be. I'm telling you, it's happening a lot more than you think. A lot more than you think. You start listening to some of these guys, man, you're like, where does it say that in the Bible? It does not say that in the Bible. I mean, I am not going to sit here and tell you that I know every single thing about the Bible, but I know I, I'm, I know the Bible pretty well. Okay, I've read this thing quite a few times. Okay, and I can tell you how to find things and how not to find things. And I can tell you that when somebody says something, I'm like, where's that in the Bible? Now, maybe it's there, but you better be able to show me. Because if you can't show me, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Y'all with me on that? Paul is warning Timothy, listen, shun vain babblings. Don't worry about this stuff because all it's going to do is increase with ungodliness. It is not going to lead people. That's why he says, Timothy, study to show, church, study to show thyself. Isn't it interesting? That really does have a much more powerful ring to it when the word is study. Then, do your best. Give it your best shot. No, doing your best and giving your best shot is not going to lead people to, to, to the Lord. Do you understand? No. The word of God is what saves people. Don't, don't, don't just do your best. Study. Make sure you know that what you're saying is of the Lord. Make sure of it. Why? Why? Because there are many pastors who have destroyed his vineyard. There are many pastors who are not doing what they are called to do. And they are scattering the sheep. Well, they all can still go to church. It doesn't matter. A bunch of sheep can come hang around the pasture, but they're all scattered because they don't know what's going on. And then a wolf comes in, and guess what happens? Right? Y'all with me on this, man? Listen, this is a great privilege. Let me ask you this. 
Think of something you own that you would not just entrust anybody with. Your house, right? Would you, would you give me the key to your house? Listen, look how Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.4 if you think that I'm throwing some smoke off the jet. Look, look what he says here. But as we were what? You see that? Did you earn it? Huh? My daughter did some, uh, did, did some work last night around the house preparing for Bible study, and she, she, did, she did some uh, help in uh, cleaning up the house, right? What do we call that that I'm going to give her now? An allowance. Now, if she wouldn't have done that, would I have given her the allowance? No. We don't. She didn't deserve that money on her own. She had to do something to be allowed. Y'all get me? But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so, go tell. We speak not as pleasing men. Don't fluff it don't try to spice it up or bring just just listen i'm afraid i don't know what to say go to first corinthians 15 read verses one through four and yet you're in okay spot let the word of god you planted the seed let the word of god take care of the rest you couldn't save them anyways you have no you can't save anybody that's why i i i really don't i i Please forgive me, man. I'm just trying to be real. But I really have a problem with uh, this whole idea of trying to coerce people into salvations. How many people did you get saved today? Like, that's the criteria. I have, I'm all for it if they were actually getting saved. Okay, but when that's the criteria, when people are coming back and they're all going, well, okay, y'all went out today. How many people did you get saved? Four. Well, you know what the next person's going to do? Well, i got to trump that. Six. Well, how many did you get saved? Eight. So you're telling me that right now, y'all just went out and 74 people got saved. All right, good. Then this Sunday we should see them all in church. Do you see what I'm saying? There's something wrong with that, man. There's something ain't right with that. I am not down with that. Listen, we have been put in trust with the gospel. We're not here to please men. We're here to please God. Okay? That's who we please. 
Listen, Paul now goes into, uh, uh, as he's talking to Timothy, look at verse 19. Look, at he says this. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Listen, this is the importance of the vessel being honorable. This is a vessel. Y'all with me? This is a vessel. First, First Thessalonians 4, if you don't believe me. Okay. This is a vessel. And he says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. Man, I would underline that. The Lord knows them that are his. Well, the Lord knows my heart. Yes, he does. You're right about that. And your heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord knows who's his. And the Lord also knows those that are playing church and playing Christianity and pretending. Many are going to say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to look at them and say, I never knew you depart from me. The Lord knows who is his. And you go, man, that sounds, that just sounds very, uh, 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 man, uh, yes, yes, it should sound that way. We need it to sound that way. You say, why? Because we should have a healthy fear of the Lord. All through the Bible talks about that. Not in cowering. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, what he's talking about we should have a healthy reverence for who he is. He is the Lord. He's not our homeboy. He's not our whatever we were. You know, we're not. Listen, I can promise you this. The day you meet the Lord, you are not going to run up to him and give him a high five and a big hug and say, hey, okay, man, let's go dance in the street. You want to know how I know that? Because the one guy who put his very head on the heartbeat of God, when he saw the resurrected Christ, John the Apostle, do you want to know what he did? He fell on his feet as dead because he was in the presence of the Almighty God. And that day's coming where we're all going to be in his presence too. And we should have a, I don't know what's going to happen after that. Maybe we will go out and play some football games with, with the Lord. I don't know. But I'm telling you, on the day you meet with him, judgment's coming. That, it's appointed on a man, wants to die. After this, the judgment that is coming. Well, I don't believe it. Remember what I told you earlier in our 9 o'clock session. Just because you don't believe in something don't mean it ain't real. Huh? Just cause, well, I don't believe in it. I, I, don't, I can't see gravity. Well, go jump off a building then. See what happens. Just because you can't see it, just because you don't believe it, don't mean it ain't real. You better make sure you got it right, man. Because I'm telling you, Paul's making it clear right now. Judgment is coming. The foundation of God stands sure. He says, listen, the Lord knows them that are his. Let every man that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Christian, liberty in Christ is not you're just free to do whatever you want. That is not biblical. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 1, talks about what it is we're supposed to be doing. Therefore, cleanse yourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Man, Paul's saying, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, having your minds transformed into his mind. Huh? God is expecting holiness he's expecting sanctification he's expecting us to be that word sanctification he's expecting us to be 
set apart. You don't believe me. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you're saying is right. Well, okay, let's keep reading. Look at verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. I wonder if he's talking about 1 Corinthians 3 right now, Jim. The judgment seat of Christ. I wonder if that's what he's talking about right now. Oh, that's right. It is. Look, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Is the some to dishonor mean you're not saved? No, that just means your vessel. I still don't know if what you're saying is right. Well, okay, let's read verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Sanctified. And what? And meet for the master's use. And prepared. Uh, uh, Unto what? And what is the work of the Lord? I mean, just go to John 17. We find out what the work of the Lord is. Win, build, send. I mean, that's all that he's been talking about. That's the, right? Am I wrong? That's all he's been talking about. He's talking about go tell. 2 Corinthians 2.2. Build them up in their faith. Why? 2 Timothy 2.2. So they can go do it to, to... This is Paul's last message to Timothy. And this is what he's telling them. Hey. Hey. Just, just, just so you know, man. Whatever you do, go tell. Go tell. There's nothing more important. Go tell. Paul's saying, I want you to know. I want you to know. My time is short. Uh, My departing is close. He's going to say this in chapter 4. Okay. uh, This is what I want you to know. You you need to know. Stir up the gift that's within you back in chapter 1. Remember? I talked about that last week. To stir up the gift within you. You have influence. You have influence in your workplace, in the community. You have open doors of influence. Dang it. Walk through them. Open the doors. You have more power than you think. You have the word of God behind you. The The same power. The same power. That created the universe. That raised Jesus from the dead. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, is in you. Don't say I can't. Yes, you can. But you got to go tell. You got to open your mouth. If you're not willing to open your mouth, you are squandering the very thing that you're here for. Do you understand? Man, pastor, you're really preaching hard at us. Do you understand why? This is our point. This is our purpose, man. Okay? We, 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 we have a gift of influence. He, he then talks about how, uh, again, I'm just kind of rehashing real quick. He talks about direction, uh, how God's worth has to go forth. And by the way, can I remind you something about God's word? It will never return void. Well, man, pastor, you know, I talked to all kinds of people about Christ, man, but nobody ever gets saved. How do you know? And how do you know what didn't happen? It ain't your job to save anybody anyways. Okay, plant the seed. That's your job. I wonder, I wonder how many people are in heaven right now because of that thief that was sitting next to Christ on that cross. Did he go tell anybody? Well, his words were recorded in the Bible. And I wonder how many people, I wonder how many crowns he earned 
because of his obedience to Christ in those final moments when he realized that Christ really was who he was. Do you think he had any idea? No, man. Just go tell. Open your mouth. Do what it is you've been called to do. Be a soldier. Be an athlete. Be a farmer. Make sure that what it is you are telling, make sure it's God's word and not your word. You understand? Because your word ain't going to save anybody. God's word is what needs to be sown. We cannot reproduce life with stories. We cannot reproduce life with taking verses out of context. That does not reproduce life. That's why people go into church on a Sunday morning, listen to a pastor, they'll listen to the music for an hour and 15 minutes, but then the pastor preaches for more than 20 minutes. Oh my gosh, dude, come on, it's time to go. Listen, all I know is when Paul preached, he preached all day and people were falling out the thing dying. When I read Nehemiah, I read Nehemiah, man, those people all morning into the afternoon we're eating up god's word you want to know why we are a sad sad society we just are we are man that pastor he preaches too long really really but i bet you go watch avengers for three and a half hours and sitting sitting i bet you won't get up one time to go to the bathroom no disrespect if you went to the bathroom i'm just being honest do you understand i don't don't take that and be like man i've gone to the bathroom four times now what are you talking about do you understand what i'm saying you will do what you want to do, and what's important to you will be important to you. All I know is Jesus hung on a cross for six hours for you. That's all I know. He hung on a cross in serious agony for six hours for you. Is that fair? Listen, we can't get caught up in foolish questions. We can't get caught up in traditions of men. We can't get caught up with... Kathy, right? We can't get caught up in, 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 in story time with Grandpa. Who cares? I don't care. Give me God's word. That's what I want. Because that's what's going to transform me. That's what's going to convince me. That's what's going to change me. Because it can effectually work in you. But you need to let it effectually work in you. Listen, we need to be vessels of honor. We, we, we need to understand that what we do now has eternal consequences. They do. That's what our rewards, that's what our inheritance have everything to do with. You don't earn rewards. You don't earn uh, inheritances once you're there. Game's over. Judgment takes place. End of story. And I will remind you, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. Listen, so Paul lays this all down in these first couple of chapters, okay? And I'm giving you the quick version. You say, well, man, you've been preaching for an hour. That's a quick version? Well, yeah, it is the quick version because he's saying a lot here in these first couple of chapters of Timothy. He's going to say a lot more in the second chapters, and it's going to take me more than an hour and a half to get through it all if I really wanted to, okay? I'm trying to give you the quick version. Listen, he says all this stuff. He says, man, you got, I want to remind you of this stuff. And he says, this is why I'm reminding you. This know also, chapter number three. Listen, now that I just told you all that, he goes, this know also that in the last days, Perilous times are going to come. Where? Where, Pastor? In the church. That's what he's talking about. He ain't talking about out there. What? You're telling me that 
all this, all that he's telling right, this wasn't happening thousands and thousands of years ago? Of course it was. No. He's, he, and he makes it clear. He says, listen, listen, men are going to be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. And in case you didn't think he was talking to people in the church, he makes it very clear right here. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, Paul tells Timothy, from such, turn away. He's telling us, you see that? Turn away from them. Oh, man, we're just all supposed to love one another, man. Let's just, hey, we don't have to worry about, let's just all come together in unity and let's not argue about doctrine. Just as long as we're all in agreement of the, of the major things. Well, okay, I got a question. I got a question. Who's the one that gets to decide what's major and what's not? I'm just asking a question. Who gets to decide that? I got a funny feeling that if God put it in his book, it's major. I got a funny feeling. <laughs> no. He says, you meet up with people like this, turn away from them. They are not following after what they should be following after. And you want to know why God says that? Because you know what will happen if you don't. It always happens. You hang out with the wrong people, and I promise you, your flesh is a lot more powerful than you think. And you'll start doing what those wrong people are doing, and you'll start justifying why you're doing it. No, I won't. Now your pride's stepping in. And you're thinking you're more powerful than your flesh. And I promise you, that flesh is way more powerful than you think. Right? Just listen, man. You, you got to turn away from this. Listen, we are living in these days. Give me my next slide there. I can't remember if I did Proverbs or Romans next. Romans, look. It says, for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to God, have dealt to every man the measure of faith. Don't let your pride dwell up in you. Because if you do, you're going to become lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Look at Proverbs. I love this one. Look, there is a generation that curseth their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives and devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. I mean, listen, I don't know if that is not the generation we're living in now. I don't know what generation we're talking about. Because there we, we're there, man. We are in the last days. Men are lovers. Can I say that the reason why the insidiousness of the last days is happening is probably because we have a lot of ignorance in the last days. And Paul talks about it. You say, where did he say that? Well, look. Look at verse 6. For of this sort. I like how he words that. For of this sort. What sort? Well, the sort of the people that I just was telling you about. For of this sort are they which keep creeping their houses and lead captivity silly women laden with sins, led away with their divers' lust. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth ignorance they're ignorant of truth listen there's a reason why jehovah witnesses there's a reason why 80 percent of them are former baptists there's a reason why the 50 percent of them are women you want to know why 
because men are in love with his own selves. And you want to know what men are doing? I looked, and I found none. And who, it is, who is it now that's leading most families? Really, is it the man or the woman? Let's be honest. I've seen people leave out of this church many, many times, and it's always the woman that's leading them out. I'm just telling you, I've watched it. Because a man doesn't know enough to know what the heck to say. Because he has no clue what the Bible actually says. And he's led by whatever the woman's in. Ignorance. Insidiousness. Men are too worried about baseball games, football games, fishing, golfing, whatever. They're too worried about that stuff, man. I gotta go take care of my boat. I ain't got time for Sunday morning church. And it's the women that are going to church. Okay? And now... There's a balance that ain't right. It's, it's not the way God meant it. Now, I'm not saying, women, if your husbands aren't with you, I'm not saying don't come to church. I didn't say that. No, because there's another passage where Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7 where he says, where he's talking, let the, the, the saved individual be an example to the, to the, to the unsaved or, or the individual that's not so that you can be an example to them because that could lead them to where they should be. You understand? I'm just saying, we've got to be careful of this stuff. Uh, uh, the ignorance of what truth is, where it comes from, what it produces, we just are ignorant of it in these last days. And, and you say, are you sure of that? I'm not trying to be that guy. I don't think, I will never tell you that One Baptist Church is the only right church on planet Earth. Although what I'm about to say may appear as if that's what I'm saying. I, am not, I know a lot of good pastors, I know a lot of good churches that are doing the right thing. What I am telling you, though, is, Okay, if we're just going to take Jacksonville as the, the, the land ground, uh, and again, it doesn't matter what I think, but if I start comparing to what I'm hearing, what some of these pastors are saying to this book, I'm just telling you, man, wow. Now I know why we have a lot of ignorant Christians up here in Jacksonville. Now I know why we have a lot of Christians who are running around claiming to be Christians, but they are not living the Christian life any way, shape, or form at all. Why? Because they're ignorant. Why? Because their pastors have no clue. The pastors were taught to grow the church. Well, that's great. You're right. You are supposed to grow the church. What, in numbers? I wonder if that's really what's... I got no problem with the church being 1,000 or 2,000 people. I got no problem with the church having 10,000 people. But I want 2,000, 10,000, 20,000 people that are actually biblically saved doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'd rather have five that are doing what they're doing than 20,000 that are clueless. I just would. I just would. There's a reason why a church like this doesn't grow. By leaps and bounds. Listen, I used, to be a, I used to be a DJ. For whatever that's worth. Do you, think, do you think that I don't know how to entertain people? Huh? I, I, I used to do it for a living. If I wanted to entertain you and just grow this church by entertainment, I could. We could have thousands of people in this church within a year. I would know what to do. I would know exactly what to do. I would know exactly how to get. I ain't interested in that, man. But, but because I'm not interested in that, because I'm interested in this, there's the problem. Because most people ain't interested in this. They'll say they are, but no, they're not. They can't sit in their seats for an hour and listen to a pastor. Right? Tell me I'm wrong. Please, tell me I'm wrong. Y'all know I'm right. That's why you go to these big churches going around here, man. And I, I, if they're preaching truth, uh, glory to you. 
I just am having a hard time finding them. I'm just telling you, that's just my own personal experience. You do what you want with that information. But I'm just telling you, when you go to these big churches, you know, you know what happens? They, they got the big bands up there, man. They're wowing you with the light. So everything's black. Why is it black, dude? What are we doing around here, man? Don't you know black is darkness? Why is it black up in here? Why are you got smoke machines? Why are you entertaining your people for 45 minutes and then preaching a 20-minute message that you didn't even touch the Bible one time in your message? What is that doing? But I went to church today. Good. You know what? On Monday, I bet you that per Forget Monday. As soon as they walk out that door, I bet you they're doing the back to the same things they were doing before they walked into the door. You say, well, that could happen in your church. You're right. I, it does happen in this church. But I have a feeling there's a lot more people that are getting transformed with what we're doing than what's going on out there. Does that mean we still can walk out the door? That's why you got to be careful. Don't be prideful. It could happen with us too. We can walk out that door and forget every single thing that I said. That's why we need to let the Word of God do its job. False conversions, verse 6, leads to no growth, verse 7, which leads to no progress, verse 8 and 9. And all of this are proofs of the lack of truth and ignorance of it. But I will tell you this. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. Amen? Amen. Listen, the truth will, let me repeat that. The truth will prevail. Only Jim thinks that. Listen, let me repeat that. The truth will prevail. Okay? It will prevail. Listen, Hebrews 5, 12, uh, listen, listen, li just listen to what he says here, man. He says, for when the time, you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as have need of milk and not a strong Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, listen, why is it? Why is it? I'm going to make this real personal right now just because I'm going to. Don't get mad at me, okay? Don't get mad at me. Please don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to make a point. Why is it that y'all been up in this church for three or four years, you've heard me, me and, and, and Robert preaching at this pulpit, why is it that you, who now should be teachers, still need to be taught again? What? Why do you still need to go back to the first principles? Why are we still there? Why am I still having to feed you with milk when I should be feeding you with meat? Why? You see what is being said here? And you say, well, I don't know about all that. That was Hebrews. Well, okay, look at Paul says the same thing over to the Corinthians there in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Look, look what he says here. And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual. I can't. I want to feed you with the, the meat, but I can't. So I got to feed you with, the, with, 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 with the, the milk. Why? Because a baby, think about it, is a baby thinking about spiritual things when he's going for that bottle? Or what's he thinking about? Come on, think about it. What's the baby thinking about? I'm hungry. Give me the bottle, man. And he lets you know, don't he? Huh? For all you girls who don't have kids yet, I promise you it's coming. You'll be up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I promise you. Listen, guys, just hear me on this, okay? Just when you hear baby cry, roll over and pretend like you didn't hear it. <laughs> it works. It works, okay? No. Nah. Sir knows I didn't do that. Uh, listen, but, but what, did you see what he's saying? He said, listen, a baby's carnal. A baby's not paying attention to what the milk's going to do for them. 
They aren't interested in the milk growing. The baby's just carnal. He's hungry and he wants something to feed his flesh. Why, Paul's saying, why are you still there? Come on, man. I want to feed you with milk, but I can't. And he says, you want to know what comes with carnality? Envy, strife, and division. That's what comes with carnality. And do note, he is writing this to the church at Corinth. Is everybody grabbing that? So, so listen, he says this here in verse uh, 10. He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, can I just offer you this? If you have no persecution in your life, it might be because you're not living godly. Preach. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any persecution. Well, that's probably because you ain't living godly. Because if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. It's not a question. You will. It's the will of God. If it be so, Peter says. Listen, that's just what's going to happen. And do know, they aren't mad at you. They're going to use you as their platform to be angry at, but they aren't really mad at you. But they're so blind they can't see it. You know who they're mad at? That's why there's nothing to fear. Because if God's for you, who can be against you? Right? It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But now look what he says. But continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from that, from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. What's that? The Holy Scriptures is able to make you wise unto salvation. Y'all see that? Through faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by them. Okay. Oh, how many? Oh. The Old Testament too, folks. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. How much is Scripture? All Scripture is profitable for what? Do- how much Scripture is profitable for doctrine? All- how much Scripture is profitable for reproof? Reproof. Wait a minute, Pastor. Reproof? What? No, I don't like that. Why are you, why are you up in our faces reproofing us, man? Because you see what God just told, you see what Paul's telling Timothy to do? Huh? Look at it. How about correction? Do we like being corrected about things that we're doing wrong? Huh? No. Don't correct me. Who do you? Here's the Laodicean day. Here, here, here's the men will be lovers of their own selves in the last days. Don't reprove me. Don't correct me. Listen, I'm not reproving you. I'm not correcting you. I'm just telling you what the Lord of the universe said. He's the one that's reproving you and correcting you. Just listen to what he said. How about that? Right? Listen. Uh, why? Because this is instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be what? And do note that the Greek behind that is mature in your faith. Not that you're perfect, you're going to do everything perfect. No, you're still going to make mistakes. Nobody said that you ain't going to still make mistakes. You still live in, Paul still made mistakes. He warred against it. That's what he was talking about over there in Romans 8. I do what I don't want to do. I don't want to do what I don't want. But thank God. Right? We're still going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean, you know, you know, what, the, you know what the very definition of, uh, of insanity is? Doing the same stupid thing over and over again and never learning from your snake. 
Learn from what you did. Don't keep, cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness. Mature in your faith. Don't be like those people in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10, back in Israel, who, 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 they just never learned. And in their not learning, they walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. It should have taken them 11 days to get where God wanted them to bring to. And they had to wander around in a, in a wilderness for 40 years because they were too busy with the flesh. And he's saying, don't do that. Be perfect. Why? Because when you're perfect, when you're maturing in your faith, you are going to be truly furnished unto what? All good works. And what's the work of the Lord? Let me end here. Chapter 4. We thought we were never going to make it. We did. Listen. Now listen, if you haven't heard anything I said right now up to this point, well, I hope you did. But if you haven't, these next five minutes, open those ears and listen. Because this is it. This is Paul's final hurrah. The last chapter he writes. And here we go. Watch what he says. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what he brings to, look what he says. What? Who shall judge the quick. Okay, listen. Everybody look at me. If you are a born-again Christian right now, and you know it with all that you have in me, raise your hand. You're the quick. Does it say you're going to get judged? Did everybody read that? You're going to get judged. And the dead. Okay, now listen. Don't raise your hand. Just listen. If you're not a born-again Christian right now, you're the dead. So I'm not dead. No, you're dead spiritually. That's what he's talking about. God's going to judge you too. Okay? And he says, listen, Paul, Last thing I'm telling Timothy, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the quick and the dead. When? At his appearing in his kingdom. Which one's he talking about, Pastor? Is he talking about the judgment seat of Christ or is he talking about the great white throne judgment? Well, he's talking about the quick, judgment seat of Christ, and the dead, great white throne judgment. So, yes and yes. Both of them are at the appearing of his kingdom. Y'all with me on that? Okay, good. Look, look, he says, we should be motivated. If we're not motivated by anything, we should be motivated by the coming judgment. And that's why last week I brought you to Revelation 16 and talked to you about the wrath of God. This is coming onto an unbelieving world. And if we believe this book, it's going to happen. What other motivation do we need? And if you need more, I might suggest... Christianity is not where you should be. Not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying you aren't there yet. You should be here, man. We should be motivated by this. We have an eyeball-to-eyeball appointment with the king of the universe. And what's going to happen when we have that appointment with the king of the universe? If you are a Christian, hear me. You are going to give an account. Of what? Not what you did in your body. What you did in his body. If that's not, whoa, 
I don't know how else to help you. Look, 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 look what Peter says about this. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to go a little over today. Is that okay? Because I really believe that we need to get this in. Look, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the... For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Do you believe that the end of all things is at hand? Because if it was at hand then, I promise you it's even closer today. Be sober. Be a watchman. Do you not understand? Do you understand? Who was I talking about this week about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you understand what he's talking about there when he says a watchman? Get your Bibles and go to Ezekiel uh, 33 real quick. I'm going to show you something here in a second. Let me finish this real quick, and I'm going to go right there, and we're done. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11. Look what he says here. Look what he says here. Hit me. 2 Corinthians, uh, okay, that's fine. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards. You know what a steward does? He gives an account. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Y'all with me? At the, the, the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak. What? Let him speak his opinions? Is that what it says right there? No. Let him speak the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things. You want to know why you do it? So that God in all things. How many things? All things be glorified. Because that's how he gets his glory. Do you understand? Click me again. Look, look, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. Y'all see that? According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, now watch, watch. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Wow, Paul, that's some serious stuff right there. What? I got to be afraid? Yes, you are going to stand eyeball to eyeball with him. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, persuade men, persuade them. Click me. I'm going to pass out. Dang. Look, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Where are those men? Women? Where are those women? Where are they? The ones that are preaching and warning. Preach the gospel, not the wisdoms of men's word. Why? Why? Because it's the gospel that saves. That is it, my friends. Win, build, send. Look what he says here in verse number two. He, he says, if you're, I know you're in Ezekiel, just say there. Like, Preach the word. This is the last thing Paul's telling Timothy. Pre- don't preach your opinion. Nobody cares about it. Preach the word. Be, be ready. When? In season. When? Out of season. When? Right, what do I do when I preach it? What do I do, Paul? Tell me. Tell me. How do I preach it? Well, let me tell you how you do it. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort. <laughs> we don't like those words, do we? You know, reprove. You know, blame expressed to the face. Censure for a fault. Reprehension. I don't like that. 
How about rebuke, to chide, to reprove, to reprehend for a fault? Uh, how about that? Listen, go, you got to go tell people the bad news before they're ever going to understand the good news. You got to tell people the bad before, they're ever gonna, before the good's ever going to make a difference to them. They got to understand what they are before they ever can understand what they can be. And we don't preach that anymore, man. It just isn't. We just preach God loves everybody. You know, God does hate the sinner every day. I read that in the Bible. There are things God hates. I read that in the Bible too. And we better make sure we aren't on the side of what God hates. Listen, can I tell you this? If you go through 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, and, 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 and Brother Jim and Brother Justin know this because we've gone through it. Listen, listen, can I tell you? Two-thirds of preaching is talking about what's not right. Two-thirds of preaching is chiding you. Two-thirds of preaching is making you feel this big. Why would God do that? Because it isn't until you feel this big that he can make you this big. You got to know what you are. You got to know what your problems are. You got to know that you are fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places and that you are going to lose every time. And until you realize that, until you understand that, that's why a church like this will never grow the way it, it could. Because people don't like that kind of preaching. People don't like a preacher that's going to get in your face and tell you what you actually need to hear. What actually is going to help. Now listen, all I can do is preach it. I can't make you do it. you got to make that decision. But I'll tell you this, on the day of judgment, when I'm brought before the Lord, he is not going to look at me and say, why didn't you tell him? They were told. <laughs> That's all I can do. You understand? Uh, listen, he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after the lone lust, they'll heap to themselves teaching, teachers having itching ears. They'll turn away their ears from truth and shall return unto fables. And I'm telling you, that's what's happening in most churches today. That's what's happening. You say, well, how do you know that? Because God said that the time's going to come when that's going to happen. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Watch all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And what's the ministry? The ministry of what? These are the last things Paul tells Timothy before he goes, man. He says, I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And there's going to be a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And all those that do the same. And he's done. The rest of the chapter, he talks about preparations. He's done. That's the last thing he tells Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. He, he, he says, be watchful in all things. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of the, of the ministry. And if you do, there's crowns waiting for you. And if you don't, you're going to be a vessel of dishonor. Did I say you're not saved? I didn't say that. Paul didn't say that either. You're just going to be a vessel of dishonor, and you ain't going to be earning those crowns, man. And eternity future is going to be a little bit different for you than it is for those that did. You go, that ah, God wouldn't do that, really. I don't think you're paying attention, my friends. Yes, he would do that. Yes, he would. And yes, he wouldn't you do the same? You gave an inheritance to your kids. You have a kid that's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You have a kid that's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Who are you going to give a little more inheritance to? It's almost like God wrote the book. It's almost like he did. Let me close right here. Ezekiel 33 and I'm done. All I'm going to do is read it and we're done. That's all I got to do. I don't even need to preach it. 
Check it. Ready? Remember how he said, watch and be sober? Let me tell you what he's referring to. Again, the word of the Lord came out of me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword, what's the sword? Okay. Upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman. So in other words, when I give you a preacher with the sword, and the people take that preacher and set him as a watchman. Pastor Robert and myself, are we watchmen of your souls? Y'all with me now? Okay, okay. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet, and what? And warn the people. Isn't it interesting that the judgment seat of, of, of Christ, the rapture of the church, is going to come with a blowing of a trumpet? <laughs> then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning. Listen, in this room right now, you heard the warning. I gave it to you. And you say, well, I don't care what you said. I didn't give it to you from what I said. I showed you in 2 Timothy where Paul was telling Timothy these things. This is the word of God I gave you. Paul was warning Timothy. Pastor Frank's warning you. And take it not the warning. If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. I'm not responsible for you anymore. I did what I was supposed to do. You heard now. God is not mocked. That which a man sows. Huh? He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning. If I was an underliner, I'd be underlining some of this stuff right now. Shall deliver his own soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, if the watchman see the sword come, blow not the trumpet, and warn y'all, which most pastors are doing this morning, let's be honest, they're not warning their people. I would guarantee you I could walk in 99 out of 100 churches this morning and say, hey, what judgment are you going to? And 99 out of 100 of those people would have no clue where they're going. And if you don't know what judgment you're going to, I just have a, I have a curious, then how do you know what you're going to get judged for? Huh? Be honest now, before you came to this church, did you know? Did you? Most people don't know. They don't know that there's three judgments in the Bible, and they don't know which one they're going to, and they don't know what's on the test. But you do, because y'all have been in this church long enough, and we preached it. You do know. You've been warned. <laughs> your blood's on your own soul now. It ain't on me. Look at but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Now you see why I preach why I preach. Now you know why I'm so hard. Now you know why I come at you the way I do, and you know why Robert does. Because we are your watchmans of your soul. Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, if you don't believe me. Okay? Y'all with me on that? When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. Do you see what he just did? He turned it to you now. It's not just the pastor that's a watchman. You're all watchmen too. For who? If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. 
but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he did not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. By the authority of God's word, go tell. Do you want that on your plate? Do you want to go to your judgment thinking, oh man, I'm a Christian. I went to church. I was there every single Sunday, man. I tithed. I, I, I was involved in discipleship. I, was I mean, I never told anybody about Christ, but that just wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I wonder what the first thing is going to show up on the list of your judgment is going to be. God's going to bypass all that. And you say, were you a watchman over the people's souls? Huh. And you go, I don't know that I believe you, Pastor. Well, I go read Job 26 a little more carefully. And then maybe you'll understand that what I am saying is absolutely true. Huh? Anybody learn anything this morning? Was that a help? Huh? You know why I'm so hard on y'all, man? Listen, man, I love my kid to death. I would do anything for both of them. And if any of you are parents, I'm sure you'd all say the same thing. You'd do anything for them. But you're going to warn them when danger's around. Aren't you? Aren't you? I mean, is it really love when you don't warn your kid about the danger? Is it really love? Oh, I just love my people. I just want them to... Listen, there are times where I'm going to have to get in Peyton's face and I'm going to have to tell him, dude, no, that ain't right. Get right. You can't just love them. Oh, Peyton, listen, man, I know I told you not to go run in the street. I know I, know I told you that, man. But listen, I love you, bro. Just make sure next time, just, you know, don't. What's he going to do with that? Come on. Peyton, if I see you running that street one more time, I'm telling you right now, my hand's going to be on the back of your hide. Next time he goes running to the street, what do you think he's going to do? Yeah, I'm not running that street. I know what's going to happen. That is good pastoring. Got to warn you, man. Why? Because I do love you. I do care about you. I care about what's going to happen to you. And I don't care if you like me. I'm not in this so that you can like me. Do I want you to like me? Of course I do. I want to, I, of course I do. But that's not why I'm in this. I'm caring for your soul. And I'm going to do it the way God... You know what Jesus says in Revelation 3? To what he does to those that he loves? He chastens and rebukes them. So if Jesus should do it, why are we okay with Jesus doing it and not the pastor? And the only reason why you would say I'm not okay with that is because you never read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus and understood what the purpose and the point of the pastor is. That's exactly what Paul's telling the pastor to do. Amen? Can I please, please beseech you, go tell. Go tell. That is your job. That is why we're here. Everything else is good, but if you don't do that, I promise you there's an accounting coming for it. And it's a big deal. You think God's more interested about the souls of men? Or your tithe. I'm just, seriously, I'm being serious. You think God's more interested about the souls of men or that you came to church? Which one do you think he's more concerned with? Now, I'm telling you, you need to come to church. 
so you can learn. That, that, all right. Jim, man, could you pray? Because my throat is gone. <laughs>